If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series. Hey guys, welcome to Giga Ohm's Voices in the Cloud podcast. This is the one place where you can hear from industry thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice, how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT edge computing, and cognitive computing. I'm Dave Lenticum, best-selling author, speaker, executive B-list geek, and joining me today is Lori McVitie. Lori has been an application developer, system engineer, a consultant, a writer, author, strategist, and evangelist. Specialties include app dev, uh, app integration, app infrastructure, App delivery, uh, app security, uh, SDN, and uh, DevOps. Wow, that's quite a quite a resume, Lori. So, why don't you fill in since your first time on the Gigom podcast? Kind of fill in the details for us. Where'd you come from? What are you doing? You know, what are you doing in day to day? Oh wow! So, where, well, where I came from was App Dev, and that led me into publishing when uh, hands-on reviews and and labs were the thing. I wrote for Network Computing for a while. And that's where I learned about networking and all sorts of application of fine technologies, right? WAFs, SOA gateways, uh, acceleration. It was just, it married the two, the network and the application, and it just fascinated me. And I went from publishing to F5, where I've been for the last 12 years, primarily authoring content, writing blogs, speaking, um, compiling data and surveys and trying to figure out, you know, how the application delivery market in general is going to be changed and impacted by technologies like cloud, like SDN, like just application architecture changes. How does that impact the network? Uh, It's a fascinating area to to look at and to kind of guess what's going to happen in the next few years. So what, what do you think is the difference between blogging, you know, say, 10 years ago, five years ago, and today, in terms of your ability to kind of get ideas out there and uh, people to listen to you, things like that. I'd be interested in that because I've, I've been thinking about that like over the weekend, how it's kind of changed a bit. Well, you know, back back when, when you were publishing, even if you were doing, you know, blogs and articles, it was, you know, people subscribed to a source. And it was, you know, very specific. So one, they had to find you, which was not all that that difficult back then because there were only a, a few sources. Um, and then people would would follow rather, you know, regularly. And when we moved into blogging, there was just this explosion of people blogging all over. Um, you were never sure if it was someone official, officially speaking on behalf of the company or not, right? That's the, my thoughts are my own. Um, and it's it's all over. And then social media kept growing and in some ways, it's made it easier to get the message out, to, to share content, but it's also opened up a, a broader audience that's very, I don't know, uh, cynical about uh, corporate-sponsored content right, with, with reason, right? It's, it's often just uh, marketing uh, content that gets out there. So, um, you know, today it's very, it's very hard to walk that line. You have to, if you're writing, especially for an organization, you have to be cognizant of the fact that you are, you're speaking on behalf of your company. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to, you know, badmouth partners or, 
or the company itself. But at the same time, you want to be honest for your customers and for the market at large to say, this is what we see happening, even if it's not the best news or even if it's only tangentially related. So it's it's a delicate balance and then push that out. But people prefer that. I think people are looking for honesty um, and just the ability to to have someone, you know, talk in a, I don't know, a readable format about what's going on and what they see so that they have some more insights and, and the ability to kind of go, huh, okay, that makes sense or that doesn't, or to, you know, find out about a new topic that they want to explore uh, in the emerging space. Yeah, I find it's uh, just kind of getting a little bit more difficult to get uh, um, a message out there just because of the amount of noise that's out there now. Because it was, you know, in the olden days, you know, I used to write for PC Magazine and data, uh, DBMS Magazine and, you know, database programming and design, and, and there was no internet around and no one else could write, and that was kind of cool because I could get my messages <laughs> out there and no one could get their, their messages out there. But it, 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 it did take three months to get something published, and it was typically out of date at the time. And, and the interaction that we have now, I think, is probably better, uh, especially the number of media outlets. Like we're on one right now, which is the podcasting stuff, which is you know maybe um, you know 15 years old now. And certainly the videos on YouTube and things like that, and people choose to learn. So it's just the variety of ways in which people are getting the messages out there. But the amount of information and the ability to kind of organize the information in something that's useful, I think is going to be a difficult challenge for us going forward. And speaking of difficult challenges, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> I, wrote a, uh, I wrote a blog on February 1st, uh, three ways uh, the cloud and data centers will work well together. I did this for um, uh, the InfoWorld. And, uh, you know, will data centers go away and the public cloud grows like crazy? Will data centers Will data centers go away? And there's this editing error there. And the public cloud grows like crazy. Uh, no, both. They're going to keep both uh, in a booming economy, but to get them work to play together is a challenge. And this is something I, I um, think people need to focus on more is that we're dealing with complexity that exists on premise and we're kind of replicating that complexity that exists in the public clouds and the ability to get these systems communicating together at the data level, the process level, at the network level. You know, all these sorts of things is, is a challenge, and it's almost like a Bermuda Triangle of technology that the, um, you know, the, the, the cloud folks and the data center folks are dealing with right now. And I'm finding that, at least in my client base, we seem to be separating things into different in new silos, which is a little, little disturbing to me, and not necessarily trying to figure out how the on-premise stuff, which, you know, just uneconomically viable to move to the cloud. We just can't afford to do it based on what it costs. There's no value there. And the stuff that exists in the cloud, which is a good deal of applications out there, typically the net new and the things that were built in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, and there seems to be no synergy and integration between them, and nor do they have strategies, even though we seem to have the tools and technologies out there. So the question to you, Lori, is, is what should enterprises be thinking about in terms of making that move and what, what technologies are available to us at the network level, you know, data integration level, service level, you know, is this all about microservices, all about, uh, you know, containers, or is this all about uh, dealing with a potpourri of technology and making work and play well together? Wow. Um, I mean, for organi there's it's hard to find an organization that doesn't already have a presence in the cloud, and that's um, not counting SaaS, right? So what, when, when we ask you know, our survey and we, we asked people how many different clouds are you in? We specifically excluded SaaS 
because right, it's everybody does that. And it's not quite the same because you don't have a lot of those same challenges that you just went through with a, with a SaaS provider. A little different challenges, data integration, of course, maybe security, access control, but you don't have the network and, and integration challenges and operational challenges that come with other clouds. And, and we still find that the majority of people are running in you know, more than two different clouds, right? private and something else. And usually it's private and something else and something else. So it's usually about three different clouds. So, and they're very different operational domains. And I think what people don't think about is, is who and how. Right, we have the difference with cloud is it expects a different skill set in order to achieve operability. So the operations teams are running in a cloud differently than perhaps right the other teams, and then you've got a, a lack of one skill set, say networking. They're really good at ops and using APIs and automation, and they've got kind of that DevOps approach to dealing with cloud because it's very well suited to it, but they don't necessarily have all the network know-how. But the guys that do have the network know-how to be able to deal with how do I set up a, a VPC or integration or improve the bandwidth and the performance of apps across this WAN that we have to use to get out there, they've got that knowledge, but they don't know how to translate into how do we make that work in the cloud where this operational model is completely different than what we're used to? So we've got a, a real disconnect. And because of the, the silos that we're building, where we've got a mismatch of people who, who don't seem to want to come together and share that knowledge in a collaborative way to be able to make this happen. So organizations moving forward, if they were just starting to really get into that and look at, you know, what is what am I going to run into? And the first thing they should do is really sit down with, with experts on both sides and kind of form a more collaborative team to go, okay, how do we do this correctly? How do we make this actually work so that we're not creating more silos? Because those are hard to get rid of. Yeah, they're very hard to get rid of. And I wrote books and books and books about getting rid of them. And here they are coming back again. Because uh, it, it does seem that we're getting into more complexity when we really should be getting into less, less complexity. And I understand there's, there's big thinking approaches to it. There's you know, the ability to kind of decompose everything as microservices and you know, leverage containers and things like that. But there's true costs and true risk in doing stuff like that for most enterprises out there. And there has to be something that comes down to some very simple fundamentals they need to think about when they're moving stuff into the cloud. So I think I wrote about in the blog, I think, you know, first really kind of think data and I always start with the data because it seems to, you know, kind of lead everything along with it in terms of the, the, the bound services and bound processes on top of it. We have to think security, you have to think governance and process integration, but really, you know, it depends on, on who the enterprise is and what's there. And they're so different uh, in terms of the way in which they approach technologies in the past. Uh, some enterprises don't have mainframes lying around. Um, you know, if they've been, um, you know, built and started in the last 30 years, they may have gone directly to, you know, distributed-based computing, and they may have, you know, 10,000 NT servers in their particular, you know, data centers and replicating those out to Azure or repli replicating those out in AWS, and then then trying to make them communicate one to another. And I'm finding even if the technologies are analogs. In other words, we have Windows NT servers on-premise and Windows NT servers virtual in the cloud. They're still using different approaches in terms of how they manage, monitor, deal with security, deal with governance on each level. And it seems to me we should be thinking holistically in how to solve those issues instead of very tactically what we're doing now, uh, 
enterprises are doing now in terms of just kind of solving the problem. So they may modernize the security on the cloud because everybody's paranoid about having stuff on other people's equipment, but leaving exposures out with the existing on-premise systems. And moreover, they're not communicating one to another. There is no process integration, no data integration. So everybody's operating in a particular, you know, silo, not using that word again, I guess it is a four letter word. <laughs> and to, you know, and, and to make things work and play well together, you know, is, is ultimately going to be the challenge, I think, over the next, you know, five to 10 years. I think everybody's going to migrate to cloud and go, oops, we, get, we need to get common security, common governance, common management, monitoring, things like that. And by the way, we've made things from very complex using lack of architecture planning over the years to even more complex because we're not using architecture planning and anything as we move into the cloud. And so now we have to kind of loop back and fix it. And so, you know, what enabling technologies would be available to do that? Or is this even a tool-based thing? Is this something we just have to rethink and coordinating stuff because enterprises love throwing money and tools at stuff. But I, I think this is a planning problem and almost a training problem. And I, am, I, uh, am I off base there? No, I think, I think it's part both, right? I think, you know, you hit on it when you said, right, there's no planning, there's no process integration, Right. Every, you know, everything that we're, we're doing is really about a process. How do we deploy? How do we secure? How do we react? Right. Those are all process questions that that no one's really asking before they put the technology in place or even asking, can this tool or technology, you know, help us in answering these questions? And it's it's really, I think, process first. You have to think about what you're doing and how. And then, then you can start, you know, worrying about what tools you're going to use to actually achieve that. And it, so I think we've got it backwards. We go out and we get the cool technology and then we go, well, how can we use, you know, how can we make this, you know, make use of this because we like this technology. Then we find out it doesn't suit our purposes, right? The, the, the cloud native X uh, security service that we got was great. It was easy to integrate and wonderful, but it didn't actually address the policy or governance concerns that you had because it's not capable of implementing your policies that you already have. You forgot to sit down and first define what that policy is and then determine if the tool could actually implement that policy or enforce it. So I think that's, you have to start with that planning. I think you're right. There's a, a disconnect here where we just want to get out there, right? Choosing speed is good. And, and we want to be speedy and we want to get things to market faster, but we can't do that at the expense of right uh, losing time later, right? If you're just kind of kicking the can down the road, well, we'll worry about that later. That never works because it's always harder to come in and retrofit something, right? Refactor an architecture after it's in place than it is to properly plan it in the first place. So let's give the let's give the audience something actionable. So is this is this if I'm going to go out there and solve this issue today, do I need centralized command and control? Do I need training? Do I need um, money? Um, in many instances, this stuff isn't funded, so you, you can't get anything done unless, you, unless it's funded within enterprises. Um, and or do I am I going to be reactionary where I'm going to run into an issue where we're going to buy a company and realize we can't integrate the systems because we have all these various you know, silos that we built in the cloud and on-premise and, you know, therefore the board of directors is going to go nuts and, you know, fire the CIO and they're going to get a new CIO in there who's going to basically integrate everything and they're <laughs> typically going to have a very short time to do it. They're not going to be able to get it done. They're going to get fired, get somebody else in there. Um, telling a sad story I've seen over and over again. 
So what is, you know, what is, you know, kind of step one through three? Is this, is step one through, step one having centralized command and control? Step two, uh, training people on the value of doing this. And I'm not even sure where you would get the training these days. It doesn't seem to be said anywhere other than on this podcast. And number three, put together metrics for success. And so they can kind of measure the fact that we have synergy between the existing on-premise stuff and the stuff that exists in the public cloud. Or is this a lost cause? Should I quit and go find something else? We should just quit. I mean, this is just, you know, haven't, I mean, it's been 10 years. Haven't we figured this out yet? <laughs> 10 years of cloud. We still can't get it. I think the the metrics piece is interesting that it came last in your list because isn't that the first thing we should do is define, right, what the metrics for success are, or at least what success looks like. Well, what I was thinking about is you got to have command and control to get the metrics together. So, <laughs> if you want to have centralized, you know, someone centralized, a CIO or, you know, spe- you know, integration specialist or whatever you want to call, you know, him or her that's in front of the board getting funding for this. We're not going to get the metrics in place because we can't fund the consultants or fund the work or fund the additional employees to come on, uh, come on site. You know, and I'm not sure it's central command and control. I think it's more, right, centralized strategy and maybe decentralized execution. So you need you need that roll-up look. But if we, we think about it like an application, it, you can have an application that is uh, an amalgam of many different sources of data and applications that is pulled together into this one kind of, right, master uh, master application. And if you view it more like that, you, you could start seeing, okay, yes, I need to know how this is performing over there or, you know, whether this has got the right security policies, but you can pull them from different tools or different monitoring systems, right, as in the cloud to pull them up to that kind of centralized view. The dashboard is important for for higher up. And you definitely need to think about you know, what data you're going to need. But before you can measure it, you have to know what you're measuring. So I still go back to, you need to know what metrics you're using. Is it performance? Is it, is it, you know, security incidents managed? Is it time to deploy? What are you trying to measure? Because that's going to determine how you collect and monitor in the first place. So if you don't know what you're measuring, monitoring doesn't really help. Then you're just getting a bunch of data that's, you know, makes a pretty chart and it's, you know, you can make it say whatever you want then. So the kind of metrics I'm thinking about, you know, would be uh, the ability for, um, you know, say the top 75% of the applications are able to share information, you know, using a federated data access layer where the information may reside on premise in the cloud or, you know, even within a partner system or even on the internet someplace and it doesn't really matter where it exists and we're typically able to deal with the latency stuff with sophisticated caching systems, but that would be one, the ability to link some of the core processes and, you know, perhaps API enabling the systems so that will share information and share processes and share behavior, you know, across the networks between the cloud and on some of the on-premise systems. What else would, what else would we have to do? I, you know, I think in that case, because you're trying to involve so many different groups, uh, one of the things that I've seen in the last few years, and we use it internally as well, is this notion of a, um, you know, an X council. So as you're you're moving forward with a with an API strategy, you form this right API council, as it were, um, that's comprised of people, the stakeholders that need to know and need to be able to collect and report this and are actually responsible for setting some of the standards for it. 
So if you're trying to, you know, standardize on shareable components across your applications or your data, right, you're going to want people that are touching all the different pieces of data and applications to understand what the implications are, because there's not a lot of monitoring. There's no technology really um, that gives you that. It's it's more the experts reporting back in, so you kind of need them to be involved up front. So maybe right forming some kind of collaborative council, if you will, to go. Okay, this is these are our goals. You know, how far are we from it? What's it going to take? And then kind of setting up some standards for it for people to follow. They need guidance. They need to understand why it is they can't just do X, um, and to understand that it has a business impact or a technical impact that that they need to avoid. So it's it's important to get that kind of documented so people understand and have guidelines when they're actually doing the work and making the decisions in other areas of the business. So you're really telling us to, to uh, solve this by committee? Yeah, is that what I just said? No, no. I didn't I didn't say that. Um, did I say that? <laughs> well, you said a collaborative working group yeah. together. Yeah, it's a collaborative. You know, but when it comes to process, right, this is really a lot of, of process and measurement. I mean, you can... I, you know, I don't know of many tools that are going to show you, uh, you know, how much reusability you're getting across multiple different applications. Maybe there's some scanning and, uh, you know, software that can do that. But generally, that's going to be people that has to pull together that information. So you almost have to get people involved. And anytime you say the word process, people should be first and your technology and tooling should be second. Right? It's really about people because that's what you're talking about is this process of how do we do something. Yeah, I think it is about people. That's why, uh, you know, when I've had to solve these problems in the past, I've insisted on, you know, having the power over people's budgets and be able to fire the people. And you, you're able to, you know, kind of get things done fairly quickly. I mean, there is there is kind of a uh, democracy. There's democracies you can set up you know, around <laughs> committees and and organizations that come together to solve these issues. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're trying to move things along, you know, fairly quickly, there is this kind of tyrannical command and control you need for a short period of time, you know, to solve some of the issues, even though it, it can, you know, spur morale problems and things like that. But am I, um, am I a till of the hunt of IT if I'm doing that? Or is this something that I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, serving the business better? Or do I need to be a little bit more uh, diplomatic in terms of how I roll this out to the IT employees? You know, I mean, I think it depends on on how badly the 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 command and control right is needed, right? How much of that you need to get the ship steered in the right direction, right? If it's if you're going off the rails already and you really need to get back in line and, and figure this out, maybe you need a strict. All right, here for the next three months, everyone is focused on this initiative period. This is all we're doing, and this is how we're going to do it to get us back to where we can relax the rules, right? And maybe that's the key is the, is, you know, I mean, Attila was good about celebrating too. If you've, you've ever read about him, I mean, yeah, he was very commanding control, but then he was very good about celebrating after everyone did what he wanted. So, you know, maybe you need to have that carrot and the stick um, when you're, you're talking about making this kind of a shift and implementing these kind of policies to say, look, we need to do this because otherwise we're, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna make it through uh, this this challenge. So we need to be a little bit, you know, more responsible, um, considerate about how we're approaching this. And and here's our guidelines and our, our rules. And, and this is what we're going to do for three months. Let's go. So we went from uh, managed by committee to Attila the Hun. 
talking about theory X and theory Y. That's uh, that's a far far extreme we're able to do. I, I think this is really is is about people. This is not about technology. And I think that um, you know when I speak with enterprises who have this issue, the first thing they want to know is what kind of tools I can throw at this. And I think the reality is there's no tools at the end of the day. You have to have your approach first. Create your requirements, figure out your details, and back the appropriate technology into your requirements. And you'll find that there's even a lot of one-off stuff you have to do to fix it. And there has to be a lot of uh, migration that may occur because we're on the wrong silos. We may have things in the public cloud that shouldn't be there. We may think have things on-premise that should be in the public cloud, and we have to make some sort of a normalization there. I find there's no rhyme or reason in terms of what workloads and data and data sets people pick uh, to move to the public cloud. And in some instances, it's contraindicated. So anyway, please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and So Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at, at David Linthicum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn Learning. Lori, where can we find you on the web? You can find me on the Twitters at LMacVitty, L-M-A-C-V-I-T-T-I-E. I'm also on LinkedIn, and I blog at f5.com and our community site, devcentral.f5.com. Follow Lori. She's one of the uh, better minds in the business, and uh, she's uh, if you see her speak, she does a great job, and so you know she has a blog out on F5, and F5 is lucky to have you. Lori, thank you very much. We'll get you on the podcast again soon. You have a good day. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. You got it. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.